welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we have got a very special guest. We have got Ty Gadella from Demo to Reno. Ty, welcome along to the show. Hey, guys. Nice to be here. And over the next three episodes, we are going to be talking about flipping properties. Now, this is something you guys have been asking about for a very, very long time. And in this first one of this little three-part series, we're going to talk about the life of a flipper. (laughs) Now, it looks like you might actually be at one of your properties now flipping. Is that true? (laughs) No, no. I'm at home, but my home looks like a renovation. (laughs) You know, we just, we're always at it, you know. it's just. Are you married? Yes, married with two boys. Oh, really? Uh, Does your wife hate you? Uh, (laughs) Listen, we've had our moments. We've had our moments for sure. You know, there's been some times because obviously we've renovated a few that we've lived in and that's that's tough. That's it's really tough. tough. Yeah, we won't do it again. Uh, hey, it, puts t- a lot, it puts a lot of pressure on the family. Tig, I've said that and then done it. You'll always do it again. Now tell me, for any new listeners of, of the show, tell us what flipping is. Well, uh, basically it's finding a property that's in need of some love, some TLC, and purchasing it getting stuck in, doing some hard work and putting it back on the market basically as quick as you can. So I think the key difference to this and the normal strategies that we talk about on the show is that you're selling it at the end, you're not keeping it. That's correct. Okay. It's, it's basically a quick turnaround. Cool. And so tell us about how that affects your lifestyle. So do you do this full time or do you do this around a job or what's the story? So I'm doing it full time. How long have you been doing that? basically for two years. Great. When I initially started, I was working for a interior fit-out company in Auckland, and we were renting still. So two years ago, we were still renting. We hadn't even got into the housing market quite yet. And we managed to borrow some money from a family member for a deposit and thought, you know what? I'm busy running two or three projects for this company. I might as well use all the same trades and the same processes, and I'm going to buy a house on the side. And so I was just running my house on the side with the same crew of guys that I was doing all the other projects with for, for the company. So was that one of the examples where you were living in it and renovating no, it? Wow. No, no, Okay, so no. you needed to have enough of a deposit to buy a rental and you needed to have the money to do the renovation. That's correct, yeah. But you've got a great family. Yeah, no, it was a real great opportunity, you know. What I did, because things obviously, like you say, can be a bit tight with, you know, deposit and the cost to renovate is I used the GST money. So I claimed GST on the purchase and then I used the GST to do the renovation and then sold it and obviously paid back the GST tax and so on. So that's how, that's how I managed to squeeze the first one. Amazing. And let me ask you this. Now that you are a professional, coming back to today and you're doing this full time, how many flips would you do, first of all, at one time? And then how many would you do reasonably in a year? Obviously, I can do multiple because I was, I was running three for my company and my own, so I can run at least four. But I've only done one at a time because of cash flow reasons. I've only yep. ever been able to afford to just you know get one done. But at current, we've been able to manage four a year. So we've done eight. So basically, every three months, we're turning a property over. That's awesome. So what made you decide to go with flipping rather than other types of property investment? Well, specifically the hold strategy. Well, because I really wanted a change of, for me, it was about a change of occupation. So I got, you know, tired of working. uh, (laughs) As a project manager? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was working doing that for about a year, but prior to that, I was just a handyman. So I had had my own little handyman business just doing stuff. And listen, we were only just getting by. I mean, like like I said, we didn't even have enough money 
two years ago to, to buy our own property. We didn't have a deposit, nothing. So for me, it was, I couldn't, I could obviously borrowed the deposit. So I, it wasn't like I could hold the property. And I've always talked about, you know, one day having an opportunity to do this because it's yes. my skill set and having a crack at it. And obviously I want to turn over and keep the cash flow coming and I want to keep momentum. So I don't, I don't want to hold a house and, and then wait two years or yeah. something to be able to afford another one. And I think, you know, in terms of that equity that you create uh, before you put a property back on the market, you create mm-hmm. that at an unnatural speed. And then of yes. course you're just going to get the normal growth rate after that. So if you can take advantage of getting your money out, paying your tax and then and then doing it again, then mm-hmm. obviously you're always creating that. But it is a full-time job. So this is not for the faint-hearted. Exactly. I mean, I've still got to work for a living right now. And that's, yes. that's not the idea long-term. So eventually, you know, we want to be buying some and holding some and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a matter of process, really. It takes time and, you know, slowly, slowly. And let me ask you this. A lot of people who want to get started in renovations always ask, well, how much of the renovations do you have to do yourself versus outsourcing it and getting others like builders in order to do it? Now, I realise you've obviously got a good skill set in doing this and some experience, but even for yourself, how much of the renos do you do yourself versus getting somebody else in? As much as, you know, I might have the skill set, I actually don't enjoy building. It's not something that I love to do anymore. I've done so much of it. It's hard, Yakka. You know, I'm 40 years old and I'm trying to do stuff that I enjoy. So what I do on most of my sites is I I do the project management. I do the site management. I'm organizing materials. I'm organizing kitchens. I'm I'm, I'm making – my job is to make sure that job flows as fast as possible. Yeah, At the end of the day so that no one's sitting around waiting on this or that and that. So, so yes, I, I do get builders in on every single project. That doesn't mean I don't pick up a hammer and whack up a deck or put some fencing up or do something. I'm always just looking at what needs to be done. And do you normally just have contractors or do you have a specific firm that you work with for that kind of work? So, so I tell you what, the challenge I've found in the last two years is builders, being yes. able to lock in builders. Yes. They're so busy and that's the, the biggest challenge. As far as all my other trades, they're all the same trades I've been using for two years. Yes. So yes, I'm constantly looking for new guys and honestly, sometimes I feel it's just absolute fluke that I, I get to lock in a couple guys here and there. So I think I've had different builders on every single project. And so just walk us through, what does a regular day look like for you now, work day? You know, it can vary because like I said, you know, during the, when we have a project on, that's when I'm kind of thriving and it's, it's up early, it's at Bunnings or Carter's at 7 a.m., loading up materials to site, you know, making sure you're meeting your trades and just getting the job running. But then there's also the a slightly negative, which I find is that you have also a bit of downtime. Yes. So, I mean, you've only got, like say in a process of three months, you've got three weeks till you settle on your property, then you, you do your reno and that could be five to six weeks. So you're working in that six weeks, but then, you know, then you run your campaign, it's another three weeks till you have your auction and then another maybe two weeks till you settle. So there's a lot of downtime, especially when you don't have the cash flow. Yes. To just to keep going. To do another so, one. Exactly. So like that's, you know, that's where we're finally at now, but it's taken a lot of hard work and it, I struggle with the downtime, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does your wife work? She was a makeup artist, but now she works full-time for Demo Torino. Oh, wow. She's involved as well. Who's the boss? 
Uh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell me, one of the things I think is really important for people to understand is that this takes a lot of hours, but also it also costs more from a tax perspective. So tell us, do you mind talking a little bit about how the tax works for you? So you mentioned claiming GST before. So when you buy a property with the intention yes. of flipping it, you can claim the GST on it. So so you can claim the, the GST portion of it, assuming that you're not buying from a GST registered entity. And then what happens is when you sell the property, you pay GST on the sale price. So you so, so essentially there's a percentage that you're going to lose there because you've made money. Of course. And then, of course, you pay your income tax rate. So how does That's that right. work for you? Do you have a rough model for I account for 40% of my total income to go to tax? Yes. So roughly it's a, it's like that. It's about 39 to 40% on, yep. on every project is, is going to tax. So realistically, once you pay your GST, and guys, I'm not really good with all these figures. So I'm just shooting off the top of my head. But like once you pay your GST and you pay your tax, you're getting about 45%, you know, once you pay all that stuff of the projects. And for some people, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that. You so know, yeah, what you're saying is you net 45%. So if you make 100 grand, you make 45 grand after. Approximately, yes. And that's know? where it's really important important for people to understand if you are getting into flipping that there's a major tax difference and so you do all these extra hours and then you make a hundred thousand dollars and you think that's awesome but then if you're left with 45 then you've got to say hey is it worth my time doing this obviously for you it is do you have a target that you like to make per deal or is it just you know if there's no other deals i'm going to do something and make ten thousand rather than no thousand yeah, I'll tell you what, up until the end of last year, I've always aimed to make at least like 120K gross profit on yep. a property. I kind of have this thing, I spend 100 and make 100, somewhat, you know. And, that and, was always and, my model. Right, and it's worked for me up until this point, but, you know, there's definitely been a noticeable shift and change. And so we're definitely wanting to just rethink things a bit this year. And so a big um, part of it is, is buying right. So how many houses do you look at? Firstly, how do you find them? How many do you look at? And then how many do you end up buying? Right. So we basically just look on Trade Me. Yes. And another thing that we do is private sales. So, you know, I'll go and knock on dozens of doors on properties that I'll drive past and I just like, and I'll just go and take a chance and knock on the door. So if you've got uh, downtime, that's what you're doing. You're going and knocking on doors. <sighs> Slowly. I mean, sometimes you don't feel you're not in the mood for it. But yes, I've done it. And in the process, you know, we've locked in two private sales that were great. But that's um, two over two years. So that's a lot of yes. doors that you have to knock on to get a yes, right? Sure. But hey, I'm not out there knocking on doors all day long. It's yeah. just the random here and there where you just go, you know what, I'm going to take a crack at this and go knock on their door and ask them. You just said before that you and your, your wife were reassessing things that you're starting to see some changes in the market. What are you guys seeing and, and what are you reassessing? Well, probably, you know, how we were talking about, you know, like up until this point, we've aimed to make 100K approximately per property. But, you know, with this house that we just sold recently, there was noticeably the people weren't there, the buyers weren't there. We did end up selling it and settled and sold. But we've realized that maybe for the start of this year, we might need to buy a property with the aim of making a smaller margin, yes, but not such a big renovation. Yes. And, you know, just to keep ticking, keep moving, keep turning things around, instead of trying to go for the big catch, because there's a lot of risk in that at this moment, yeah. we feel anyway, because, I mean, when you put everything in and then it's sitting there, it's just no good for the, the mental health. And so in terms <laughs> of funding, how do you fund your deals? Because banks hate flippers. Yes, it's been a bit of a process. So 
when I first started, I mean, we like I said, we were just we were renting. We're actually staying with Christina's parents. Yes, we lived with them for like ten years. So I just went to the bank and said, I want to buy a house, first home, whatever yes. you want to call yes. it. And so they and gave you as much as you possibly could get. Yeah, and listen, I got I got away with that twice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for the first couple houses, you know, I was just learning myself. I didn't know what's what's right, what's wrong, what yes. you should be doing, yes. and so on. You know, so so that's how we started, and then we. Also got a financial backer for a period of time. One of the hardest parts of this process is going through the finance, you know, getting the finance. Yes. And that's the biggest schlep, you know, it's just a constant pain and, and banks are just making things harder and this and that and whatnot. So the last few houses, we've actually just managed to just buy cash. Great. Hey, that's, so that's awesome. Given you, you started out two years ago, borrowing the deposit to now buying in cash, that's massive. Yeah, so that's where we've been and things have changed. I mean, the process has been great at the last two years. We've gone from not owning a home to now owning a beautiful home in Manly and also being able to flip houses on the side as well. So, okay. you know, it's it's been it's been a good couple of years. See, now it makes sense as well. I, I thought before you had the world's best family. Now I realise you just lived with your parents-in-laws for 10 years, so they finally gave you a bunch of cash to bugger off. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes, get you out of here. And lastly, before we wrap up this episode, at what sure. point were you able to transition over to full-time? It was about 18 months ago where I was absolutely just fully dedicated to flipping. So, you know, in the two years, in that six months prior, I flipped two houses so I still managed to do the two houses, but I was still also running other projects at the same time. And then within after the second house, I think we were really lucky. Our first few flips did really well and, you know, we made good profit on them. So it kind of started giving us the capital that we needed to kind of keep moving. And I know one of the issues that a lot of people have when they first start flipping, again, around the finance, is that if you want to go full time and continue to borrow, then you need some financial statements to show that, That's hey, right. you've been doing this for a while. But you've been That's able right. to get around that because now you're buying with cash, so you've got no issue. Correct. That's right. So, you, yeah. Banks very seldom will lend on flipping income being considered income. Yeah, that's right. And I've learned the hard way. I've gone in there and they've said, what do you do? And I'm a house flipper. And they're just like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just show you the door. So, so, so don't tell them that ever. <laughs> I think the biggest I think the biggest thing is, you've got to remember, for any listeners of the show, if you go to the bank, they make their money based on you paying your loan off of the next 30 years. Exactly. A flipper has the loan for about five minutes. One last thing before we wrap up. You made a comment before about, you know, having downtime between, you know, now and settlement. You may not have done projects where you've had early access. That was an old trick of mine trying to get access as early as possible was that is that yes. just been too hard in the market being so hot listen i've tried but i've I, i've got declined and wow that's the, yeah that's i mean i really okay. have i've tried i've i think tried, that's probably gives you a sense of the market it's been so good for a while it has been a seller's market and so mm -hmm. they're less likely to negotiate on things like that but that's that is changing yeah yeah totally well hopefully yeah that'd be nice fantastic let's wrap it up there but please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it really does help us get the best out to more people and make sure that you tune in tomorrow because we're going to go through some of Tyg's case studies things he's flipped so make sure you it's going to be a banger and also don't forget to follow him on demo underscore two underscore reno on instagram thanks for listening to the property academy podcast i'm your host ed mcknight and i'm Andrew and we're gonna be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the new zealand property market until next time 